And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So we've discussed so many types of thinking, planning, different types of approaches. And today we're going to talk about first principle thinking. What is that? That's a question I had to ask before I hit record, and I'm going to save that answer for you for just a moment. I want to remind everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. If you weren't aware, that's my company, and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. It only takes like two minutes to fill out the form at Fullscale.io. And we can match you up with people that can help you solve problems. With me today, I've got Paolo Terramani, and Paolo is the CEO and founder of Boxable. They're in the modular construction industry, and there's a link for Boxable. That's B-O-X-A-B-L.com. You know, it's even easier than trying to remember how to spell that. Scroll down to the show notes, give it a click. Click that full-scale link while you're down there, and you're going to end up where you want to be. Now, Boxable develops a room module construction technology that enables scalable factory mass production. What does that mean? They're going to send you a house in a box, and you unfold it and do a few other things. And I'm sitting here looking at these, and I'm about to order one myself, I think, because I've been shopping for farm properties. And I'm like, I got all this raw land, and I need like a tiny house or something to put on it. What I know is this space is hot and this is really cool stuff straight out of Las Vegas. Paulo, welcome to Startup Hustle. Great, Matt. Love the show. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. Yeah, well, let's let's start our conversation with a little bit about your backstory. What, what brought you to, uh, we definitely want to talk about uh, first principle thinking, but what on earth drove you to want to build and distribute unfoldable homes <laughs> right <laughs> who'd have thunk right. so um so my background is industrial design and mechanical engineering i have a couple of degrees in those things and uh just winding it back in the way past yesterday machine i uh, uh graduating fr- from college i started uh, uh, a manufacturing company uh making barware back then and uh uh, we, we would attend trade shows and folks would say, can you design for us? And we would say, no, we're busy. And then I thought, well, what am I busy doing? So I started a company, intellectual property licensing company, uh, decades ago, which is just a fancy way of saying that we invented stuff and then licensed it out to industry. And licensing, uh, we licensed um, basically mechanical patents and designs, uh, but no, no different than any other form of licensing that your audience might be more familiar with, like... Uh, uh, an author or a songwriter and every time the book is bought or the song is played they get a couple of pennies and uh, we we did that for a number of decades so, you know, just a team of uh, probably in, in the total universe of the company probably just a couple of dozen people and we invented a lot of stuff filed a lot of patents 
um, and the revenue really sort of became an annuity. It became a sort of recurring revenue, completely performance-based, which uh, sharpens your pencil uh, or maybe your mouse these days very, very quickly uh, to be very, very focused, not only on success, successful product in my world, but also longevity of that product. Because if you put energy into creating something for, let's say, 24 months in ideation and tooling, and then it lasts uh, uh, one year instead of 10 years, well, you didn't do a very good job. You can 10x uh, the success of that product if you you know engineer for longevity. So we did that for a number of decades. And I think as is common with all of us, the grass always seems greener. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, if you have an attorney and you're an entrepreneur and your, your listeners are, not, are entrepreneurs, uh, the attorney is like, man, you know, I wish I was free to start a company and I've got to read this contract, blah, blah. And uh, so for, for me, I think, um, you know, I looked at our licensees who were operating. By operating, I mean manufacturing and distributing. And I said, wow, you know, and... You know, I think we could do that better in some instances. And so I sort of harbored ambition to be an operator in the space for several decades. And then uh, I would say, if I can continue with terrible analogies, um, you know, we're inventors, right? So, you know, if, if, I, if my analogy is an accountant, you know, an accountant counts. He, doesn't, he or she doesn't care what they count. They just count. Um, so if, you're, uh, if your company is engineered to fix problems, you shouldn't come up with the idea first, maybe you should come up with the problem first, right? So, so we looked around and said, if we're going to be operators, let's just let's buy off something big. It's the same amount of energy to do something big as it is small. As long as you can pass it down into into segments and waypoints, the big project for your entrepreneurs to take, uh, you know, cherry sized bite at a time. Uh, so we said, okay, let's. Uh, what's the biggest problem that we that we the world is facing and uh, uh, we're, you know, in the physical space, I would say it's a sort of, a, uh, what is that, atoms and bits, right? Who said that? Um, but so, you know, is it digital or physical? So we're not really digital people. I mean, fairly sophisticated, but we're not digital people principally. We're physical people in the physical world in terms of our skill sets. Uh, so we said, what can we fix? And building construction just jumped out. You know, we were always, always consumer product guys. And building construction jumped out as being completely pre-industrial. And, uh, and that sort of brought us to the doorstep of uh, sort of the boxable, uh, the boxable project where we said, let's find the biggest problem we can and fix it. You know, no hubris well, at all it's, there. It's a pretty big undertaking. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know that, I know that you know, and you're, there's, there's other players in the space that are making it more competitive, which is probably good for humanity. Maybe, yeah. maybe not as exciting for a business owner, but, you know, um, so, so I, I've run, I, Paul, I've had this conversation with a lot of people that were inventors and I have a big appreciation for the inventor. But they often do look at, you mentioned the grass is greener on the other side. And they say, well, if I build it, it's, it's kind of like the manufacturer that covets the margins that the retailer gets. Oh, if we, always, if we only had those, we'd be better. There's a lot of pitfalls that could come with that. What are some of the ones that you've experienced? In, in terms of what specifically? Uh, well, you know, okay, creating an idea or an iteration or a plan or a print, a blueprint of something is a, is a different part of the process than actually building it, having a distribution network, uh, creating transactions, moving things across the country, you know, like, oh, right. so you, 
you know, you, yeah, build, no, you, build, you have these amazing homes that, that unfold and can be set up in an hour, but you got to get them to where they need to go and deal with a lot of other stuff. What is, you know, and that's the, like I said, those are some of the pitfalls that, that I think the inventors I know that have run into, I know quite a few people that yeah. actually do invent stuff and sell the IP because they're not in the business of building. Like one of my friends is a toy inventor. And, you yeah. know, and, he, and he's like, you know, I just don't have the connections to talk to Walmart and all these other places and get these things out in mass. And that's, that's one of the things that, that's a pitfall for him. So he doesn't want to try to overcome that. He's like, I just, yeah. I'm good at what I do here. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think before even you get to the execution, uh, there's a couple of things that I see over and over again. And I sort of probably feel calls an average once a month uh, of folks that want to run an idea by me and get some, get some counsel on it. And I say, well, okay, but. You know, I'm going to give it to you straight. Please don't shoot the messenger. Hate me afterwards. I suspect sometimes they do. So the yeah, first they thing do. is when, they do. They yeah. hate me too. Yeah, I get the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean, the first first thing when you have an idea is that uh, you sort of get you set you sort of get romanced by your own idea, and you, you you fall in love with your idea, and you can't look at it as a third party and see whether it's a good idea. That's number one. Uh, so a lot of people actually proceed with an idea and don't even do any due diligence, which today just means Googling <laughs> to see yep. that ah, it's probably been it's probably been invented already. So that's number they, one. They, they say they don't have any competition, but they haven't checked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they've got to put yeah. some kibosh on it. And then, you know, the second thing is um, if, if it's a space that already exists and you have an idea in that space, um, there are going to be there are going to be you know thousand pound gorillas in that space that are going to crush you and copy you. So can you protect it? Uh, so f folks, the next step, folks, after people typically have not checked whether their idea already exists, they'll go to the second step and say, can we file a patent? Not understanding what patents are. So patents fall into two broad categories in the physical world. You know, this design and mechanical. Forget the design; that's just shape. Anybody can do that. Make it pretty. That's nothing fundamental. It's not going to protect you. And then on the mechanical side, uh, you can file a patent, and a patent attorney probably gets your patent if, if if he's a good patent attorney. But what's the value of the patent? What's the value of the patent? By that I mean, um, can it be worked around? Is it a defensible patent? Um, you show me a patent, I probably work around and give you a solution just as good that uh, works right around the patent. And then the final thing, when people think that the patent is the be-all and end-all, is this a ticket to the fight? It's a ticket to the fight. It doesn't win the fight. It means it puts you in the ring with Mike Tyson. Um, probably not going to win if it's, uh, if it's a, a, you know, a big player. So there are a lot of things that you have to go through. Uh, to, to realize whether and you have to really be very frank and honest with yourself. Uh, and then if you are the type of person that uh, wants to come up with an idea and monetize it, you have to really look at yourself and say, am I really an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur really means that you're never going to give up and you're going to do things that you don't particularly enjoy doing because you have to have broad-based skill set. You can't just have an idea and think somebody's going to pick up the slack. Or don't think you have to know something about law or business or economics or finance or common sense. Um, you know, how narrow, what, what your, your, your skill stack, is it narrow or is it broad? And if it's narrow, like mine was, just a designer at the end of the day, are you willing to broaden it? Are you willing to do the things you don't enjoy doing? And are you willing not to give up? So some of those things are things you have to think about uh, before you, you sidle up to the edge of the uh, cliff. Uh, I want to expand know, on the skills. Well, I want to expand on the skill set thing. I think interest set. 
Because you can be good at doing 10 different things, but if you're not interested in doing them, you're probably not going to do them well. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you're going to do it well or you'll put it off. And I think people inherently just don't like to do shit that they don't find interesting and they're not passionate about. So, okay. So as advertised, let's discuss first principle thinking. And this is an approach that that you have to business and and everything else. Can you begin by, how do you define that, Paulo? Yeah. So, you know, I I suppose with my background, I look at everything through a lens of uh, design and innovation. And then there's also an aesthetic component, but mostly, you know, uh, design and innovation. So, so uh, if if I had to just in a in a sentence say you know what is first principle thinking is you you have to get to the the core of the topic you have to get to the kernel you know K E R N E L I think um, you know what is the root cause uh, what is the you know the 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 chromosome what's the single cell you know you, you know peel away the layers of the onion. I'm going to keep going with horrible analogies. Uh, what, is, what, is, what is the core of the question or the problem? And get down to that, first of all, numero uno. This is really design principles, but I think it goes actually for life, common sense in general. And then in, in the design world, you say, okay, um, what is, what's solving that today? So you, 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 uh, you look at what's around and you look at a com- commodity, it might be a table, a table or a paper clip or a chair or something like that. And you look at that and you say, well, that's what exists in the market right now. And just because you've seen it a, 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 you know, a million times doesn't mean familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, you just poo-poo it and say, well, my, my idea is better. Uh, the commo- the com- a commodity, the commodity, whatever it is, whether it's uh, you know a, a lumber framing or whatever it is, um, is what's uh, I phrase it? It's what's left after everything that doesn't work has been thrown out. It's what's left after everything that doesn't work has been thrown out, and that's what's left standing, and that's the way things are done. So you have to say to yourself, well, there've been a lot of there've been a lot of contenders. To, to to dethrone this paperclip, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, why is mine better? Why did those others fail? And why won't my uh, concept fail? So you really have to get to the root cause, uh, and that's that's your uh, that's your first step. Yeah, you know, I think that you said it a few minutes ago. And I say this a lot: the the currency that entrepreneur entrepreneurship trades in is execution. And there's, I mean, how many million dollar ideas do you want people like email me, ping me on social or whatever. I'll give you a list. They're everywhere. They don't mean anything if you can't execute it. Now you also mentioned getting in the ring with Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's (laughs) got a great quote that we love on this show. I love it. Everybody had a plan until they got punched in the face. Welcome to entrepreneurship listeners, because that is What's going to happen? I mean, I, I, I spend a lot of time talking about that. And you, you mentioned that that monthly or a couple times a month, someone wants to bring an idea through and they want to talk about it. And they say, hey, I got this great idea for this. And I start those conversations. You mentioned like, okay, first off, like you say, don't shoot the messenger. Um, I have rules. I say, uh, I'm not going to argue with you about whether I'm right or wrong. And if you want to, and you can't, don't be mad at me for what I'm going to tell you, because I'll lay it right on you. But then the next thing is always, are you sure you're ready 
to get into the world of entrepreneurship because it's it's one thing to have a plan. Then you can start getting punched in the face. You get punched in the face again. And how much of a fighter are you? How resilient are you? And I think that you're going to find that the most successful entrepreneurs are scrappy. They have scars. Uh, they're resilient. They're driven, uh, sometimes stubborn, but not so stubborn that they drive the ship into the rocks. You know, yeah, so it, it's, it's a pretty definable character set um, with that. Now, in regards to, you know, first principle thinking, you're talking about, I, I, I asked chat GPT because it's the, it makes me smarter when I talk to guys like you, Paulo. So, <laughs> so I like to preface that, but, but yeah, it's talking about, you know, about how to practice it. And it talks about, it's mentions in here, identifying and defining your assumptions because assumptions are not always, uh, usually aren't true. Kind of like the assumption that, hey, this great idea that I have, like I get that one all the time and I'm like, you got, there's a ton of competition. Oh no, I don't have any competition. Two seconds of Googling and you're like, here's like 50 pages of people that are doing this. But those are assumptions that, that, um, that can be difficult. Now, when it comes to Boxable, would you be willing to share an assumption you may have made that, you quickly uh, unseated or, or or unboxed. Oh, love, very nice, very nice segue. Yeah, absolutely. We are very very transparent here at Boxable. I think it's one of our uh, biggest assets, actually, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is being ourselves. Um, just easier that way. But uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. So you know, when it comes to back to um, first principles and uh, misplaced assumptions. It happens all the time, especially if I sort of revert to my stomping ground, you know, the design world. So in terms of our, you know, product, uh, you know, step two, when you start to design an engineer and, you know, prototypes and big ideas are a dime a dozen. Um, uh, ideas are, you know, easy. Uh, doing what we're doing behind us, you know, a, re- a replication uh, by the thousands and eventually hundreds of thousands and millions that's hard. That's hard. You know, you, you need to have a lot of discipline. Uh, yeah. And when, you know, when we look at a product, we immediately default to um, some, some other core principles when it comes to any uh, uh, mechanical engineering or product design, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the sort of demand for efficiency, things like that. Um, the three sort of legs that we put down of our table or bar stool that makes it stable uh, that drives us and our engineering team is the, uh, the the highest throughput, you know, the highest production volume, at the highest quality and the lowest cost. Um, uh, keeping uh, those things in mind, uh, those those three first principles uh, in mind are extraordinarily powerful, especially when they are sort of soaked into the DNA of our teams here. So, what does that look like? It means you know everything from the big to the small and uh, always second-guessing and uh, revisiting those assumptions. So that means, you know, the fewest number of total components, uh, remove a component, you remove the process, you move the supply chain for that component, uh, the, the maximum number of, of uh, symmetrical components, uh, fewest number of unique components, um, uh, the fewest number of fasteners, how can we simplify, simplify, simplify? Um, and sometimes you can take it too far, you know, and you have to, simplified it so much that it's theoretically simple but then it becomes a little harder to make so you know maybe a fastener or an additional component or you break the single component back into two uh sort of sort of creeps in and it's just a classic case to your point about uh revisiting assumptions and it's you know one step back to take two steps forward and the root the root 
reason you can do that swiftly or an organization can do it swiftly is that it, uh, when the organization or the individual can admit when they are wrong. I'll say that again. When you can admit when you are wrong and take joy in it, <laughs> actually. Put, put, your, put your ego to one side. Uh, and I, 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 can, I can describe to your listeners, you know, actually how to do that. So when we sit around at the table, let's say it's an engineering meeting, uh, the guys are going to hear me say a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of times say, I don't know if I'm right, but blah, blah. I, I don't know if this is a good idea, but blah, blah. Um, so I'm prefacing it by saying, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. And um, sometimes um, I'll say, this is not a good idea, but let me throw it out there. Why am I doing that? Because ideas run around the table, let's say in an engineering meeting, and oftentimes you just riff on it and it turns into a good idea. It turns into a good idea. So this is very, very important just to air out you know, I, you know, I, ideas. Um, the nice part about being wrong is if you have a conviction um, and you say, okay, I'm not sure about this, but I think this is fantastic, and let me say it. And you say what the idea of the component is, uh, the component of the idea. And, you know, obviously, as a CEO, maybe folks are a little less adventurous, <laughs> you know, saying no to me. I'm, I, you know, I'm sensitive to that, so I really make it uh, to say, listen, you know, you are being asked to uh, criticize here. And so I'll say, I think this is a fantastic idea. And then somebody else will come up with a completely different idea. And the nicest thing that can happen to me is, and the, com and the business is I, I, I look at their idea as a third party, not as a, a vested or interested party, because my idea and I've got an ego, don't care. I've been doing this too long. I look at it as a third party. Here's Paolo's idea, and here is John's idea. And then uh, it makes it very easy to see which idea is better. And then the nicest thing that can happen, the fastest, most efficient thing that can happen is the other party's idea is better. And if you have the maturity to realize that, the, the two best words that come, come out of your mouth are, you're right. You're right. So why is that helpful? Well, first of all, I don't have to convince the other guy that I'm right if my idea is better. That's going to slow everything down. It's going to take longer. And he may still not, or she may not be as vested in pursuing that idea, even if they've been technically convinced. They still feel that their idea is right. And if their idea is better, I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to convince that person. I don't have to worry about them really not pursuing it with sort of uh, maximum gusto. Uh, they're on it. They also feel good because they had a great idea. Everybody's rock and rolling. So being wrong and being able to admit it is a massive, massive virtue. And uh, in the world of ideas and innovation, you know, people, folks see, the, let's say, the, take the boxable uh, product, uh, you know, they see the unboxing and say, oh, man, that's a great idea. That idea is backed up by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of smaller ideas right down to the granular level. So we don't get to make and sell that unless we can process in bulk all those ideas. And uh, I'm very pleased and proud to say that our ever-expanding engineering and design teams are all very well trained uh, in that sort of brutal, um, brutal uh, 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 truth to think where we just 
get to the bottom line. There's no egos involved. Everybody's got an ego. Everybody wants to have a good idea. But there's a special joy just being able to say, you're right. And it's something I think all of us as entrepreneurs uh, that have to be driven by the passion of their ideas to be able to say to themselves, to try and mitigate failure. Yeah, I agree with you. I have a couple of comments about that. Uh, before I, I lay those out, I want to remind everyone that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably, use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs, and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. You know, Paula, so much of what you're talking about falls into the category of what we at Fullscale call critical thinking, and that's you know, getting that ego out of the way. Um, and then, you know, a couple of things I wanted to unpack here is, you know, you were mentioning our, as CEOs and founders, sometimes exercising our maybe good ideas, maybe bad ideas. I think it's important for you as a leader to also let other people's possibly bad ideas try to take flight. And the reason that that's important is you want people to keep bringing new ideas to you. And if you shoot 100% of them down, you're going to create a culture where people just are, ah, I'm not, he's going to say no. He says no every time. I don't want to do that. Now, now with that and fostering this culture of innovation, there's a couple of things you want to avoid. Don't ever be the company that finds yourself saying this, but it's always the way we've done it. That's a bad thing. Oh you always God. need to be looking, like you mentioned, always looking for a, a, a more streamlined approach or a simpler. The, the most efficient thing you can do at your business is often stop doing something altogether. Now, with that, part of why getting the ego out of the mind, uh, get, getting your ego out of the way, both for you and your team, uh, you know what? You're going to fail at a lot of stuff, but that also can generate a sense of peace of mind. And you're sitting there thinking, why would failure give me peace of mind? Well, at least you know that that thing that's been rattling around in your head and an entrepreneur's mind often sounds like a blender full of bottle caps on high. And you get these things out of your head and you're like, oh, okay, well, we, we finally tried it. It didn't really go the way I hoped it would. But, but yeah. now we know. And, and no, then that knowing is, a, is an important part. That generates peace of mind because you can sit there going, oh, God, I've had this great idea for so long. And why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? this? Could change the game. And then sometimes you try it and the, all you hear is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but you got to laugh at yourself about it. And as the CEO and like, you, you know, you say, hey, and you can pull the CEO card. You say, hey, look, this may go horribly and I'll take the responsibility if it does. But we need to try this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We've actually, uh, we've actually institutionalized uh, mistakes at Boxable, and I think it's very uncommon. We actually have, uh, back to you know, first principles uh, thinking, uh, we have uh, uh, basically three things we train folks in when they land, when they land here, which is, I think, rather uncommon uh, culturally. Uh, but if I can just focus on the mistakes part of your argument, and it's very, uh, very, very interesting. I've never heard another company say this. Uh, um, the, the, the first thing at Boxable is three things. The first thing is you're allowed to make mistakes. And that's just not just platitudes and bullshit. You're allowed to make mistakes. Um, and let, if I may, let me tell you why. We want people to move quickly with making decisions. We want people to move quickly with making decisions. So uh, if they're concerned, if that staffer is, is overly concerned about making a mistake, looking back to his boss, getting fired, um, uh, they're just going to freeze up and they're going to take forever 
forever to make a decision or worse, not make a decision at all. And then you've got a cash burn going on, you've got overhead and decisions are not being made. Uh, companies basically grow on major and minor decisions. So we've got that individual at any level of the organization and he's got to see, or she's got decisions to make. I want them to not be too concerned about making a mistake, but I do want them to process decisions faster. And let me put some numbers to that. Uh, if that person is concerned, they'll make one decision over X period of time. If that person is less concerned, a little bit more freewheeling, more empowered and in charge, make five of those decisions, make five of those decisions. Now, let's say that person makes five decisions and they get two of them right. Not a very good batting average. You've got two of them right and they got three of them wrong. And we also say, you know, try not to kill the company with the three bad decisions. And uh, let's uh, hopefully, hopefully the remediation on the bad decisions isn't too expensive. But you made two good ones. Now, if in the same period of time, you only make one decision, it's digital. It's either a good decision or it's a bad decision. If it's a bad decision, you're bat zero. If it's a good decision, you make you made one good decision. Well done. Well, you know, Joe, Joe next door who made five decisions, he got three of them wrong, but he made two right. So he's made two, two good decisions and you've only made one. So the reason we say to folks it's, it's okay to make mistakes just try not to kill us is because we want them to speed through decisions and if they make five decisions get two right they're a hundred percent more successful than the person that took their time making uh one decision so that's the culture of mistakes here now it depends where it is right so um you know in 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 the factory the safety this OSHA, there's lots of things we can accidentally you know somebody can somebody can get hurt uh, uh, on the on the office side i think perhaps it's more pertinent and in the design and engineering side it's absolutely critical to uh, afford people the ability to make mistakes so you know um so I mean, you know, you know, that's that that that's 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 one of the main main things here, is that yeah, go ahead, make mistakes. I, I created a, a principle at my company to aid and the speed of decision making. I call it the rule of yes, and the the rule of yes operates as follows: If you think I'm going to say yes ninety percent of the time, just do it. Don't ask. I'll deal with the ten percent of the time you're wrong. And some of that isn't, you know, that's, that's more protecting my own time and wanting to speed things up. Cause you get people that want, you know, you have an office manager that wants to stop you and what you're doing and say, you know, we're out of envelopes and stamps. Should I buy more? Oh God. Yeah. yeah no, but, but you can die a death by a thousand tiny cuts as a CEO yeah. and an entrepreneur and a founder like that every day, especially when you have hundreds of employees. If you have 300 employees and every single one of them wastes one minute of your time every day, your day's gone. And, you know, yeah, so some of that, really, yes, it also empowers them to just do stuff. And it also, for me, per, per, it also prevents me from being snarky because eventually I'll answer that by going, if you think we're ever going to mail something again, sure. You know, and that's yeah. not really, like, I'm not really living my best life or being my best me when I say that, but depending on how that occurs, but yeah, the decision-making is, is important. And yeah, I try to tell everyone right away. I'm like, I'm like, you're going to fail at some point and that's okay. I don't, I'm going to adopt the, just don't kill the company in the process, but yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's actually a beautiful lead-in to the, the 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 second of three the three things that uh, you know. So I'm sort of a I like threes and fives. Uh, three, it's easy for make decisions. Five, you make decisions. Uh, when you get into the sevens and more, it's, it's easier. It's more it's more difficult to choose and more difficult to remember. So we we have these three principles. And lead-in the lead-in is is uh, beautiful in terms of taking ownership. So you know you see companies saying this and it's just kind of blather, but we really mean it for exactly the example you just made which is uh if somebody's scared of their own shadow scared of making a mistake and they just they come to you and they say uh we're out of envelopes can i get more envelopes it's just get the fucking envelopes <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah. you know forget snarky let's just start yeah. with the swearing and uh, so we really encourage every everybody every level of the organization to take charge and it normally takes them only about uh, 90 days, I would say. You know, we've got a couple of hundred people here. Uh, it takes about 90 days, and people uh, slowly s- sinks in, and they they see their peers, they see their boss, they see the way folks operate and talk to each other, and uh, they, I think, it sinks in as that. Oh, well, that, they weren't talking points. They actually want me to take charge. Um, so when you take charge, uh, when we're doing something as big as possible and growing it as quickly as we can. As you said, it can't it can't be top down. Uh, you know, the, the the top has to give a very long term vision. Um, that's that's part of the job, and then the the infill has to happen uh, through leadership at every level of the organization. Because why? Oh yeah, because they can because they can make mistakes. And then the the, the, the other thing is um, the point you just made is uh, when somebody t- doesn't take a leadership position because they know that they're supposed to and they're allowed and they will be rewarded and they won't get beaten up for mistakes too badly. Um, it's all good. Just go for it. Then they're not going to become a sinkhole for their boss. The envelopes are out. You've just become a sinkhole for your boss because you've just taken up his time instead of just taking leadership and, and fixing and fixing problems. You know, in the subset of leadership, is not saying, oh, it was his fault. No, just accept it. You know, buck stops with you and you get a lot more uh, credit here at the company. So leadership at every level of the organization, I think is kind of unique to our company. And I think it's probably due to the background, cultural background of, of the individuals here in terms of entrepreneurship and startup. So number one, make mistakes. Number two, lead, both with subsets. And they lead to, they lead to the third thing, one of only three things that drive our entire organization is um, you, the only thing you cannot do here, the only thing you cannot do is forget something. And people conflate forgetting something with not getting to a task. They're completely different things. You cannot get to a task. You're allowed to do that because that's resource driven. You don't have resources. You need to hire somebody underneath you. You need you need other things. So they're very different things. There is no reason, and it is an unforgivable sin at Boxable to forget something, especially today when you've got all these electronic tools and reminders, both written and uh, oral, that you can just speak it to not, not forget something. Because why? Because you become that sinkhole again. It's a, it's a, sub, it's a, it's a different side of the coin to uh, taking a, a leadership and responsibility. So make mistakes lead don't forget anything these are the core principles coming back to our first principles thinking as we design the company as well as the product 
uh, and always keeping it simple. You know, those are the three principles of the company in terms of day-to-day um, management and personal growth of the individuals. And I think, you know, when I look around, um, culturally, we have a happy team. We, we generally have a pretty happy team on both sides of the aisle because nobody wants, what's that classic thing? Nobody wants, you know, responsibility without authority. Nobody wants responsibility without a degree of autonomy to take, to take care of the responsibility. So, you know, we pay a lot of attention uh, to those three things. And I think it's one part of our secret source that allows us to uh, grow and speed through the massive pile of stuff that we have to uh, get through. So, Paulo, we're almost out of time, and I don't want to forget to remind everyone that if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people, the platform, and the processes to help you build a team of experts. Go to FullScale.io where our platform will match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at FullScale.io. As mentioned, we're almost out of time. So, Paulo, I, I want to ask, like, you know, you've been very successful as an entrepreneur. You've done a lot of different things. What are some of the things that you would suggest to anybody that wants to follow in your footsteps? Like, what are some of your, what are some of your first principles when it comes to entrepreneurship? So uh, some of the things we've spoken about, you know, doing things you don't want to do, having a, a broad knowledge base, a wide skill stack. But before you do any of that, just look deep inside yourself. And if you are not wired for this, please don't do it. It's going to be miserable. Uh, if you're not willing to wake up thinking about this, uh, go to sleep thinking about this, thinking about it when your girlfriend or beautiful wife is talking to you and they say, honey, you're not listening because you're not because you're thinking about it. Uh, if you're not willing to uh, play with your kids, uh, your children, and be thinking about it, don't do it. You have to be wired for it. You're going to have to give something up. Uh, if you're not wired for stress, I strangely am not wired for stress. Very little things, uh, very few things uh, stress me. Uh, if I wake up in the morning, I figure out, I figure I'm ahead. So I'm not really going to worry too much about stress. I'm just going to roll with it. So if you're a nervous individual, don't do it. Um, you know, if you like your extracurricular activities, if you like hiking, mountain biking, uh, you can do those things, but they have to come second to your task. You know, if you like going to the gym, riding a motorcycle, in my, um, in, in my personal experience, hanging out with my beautiful girlfriend, we're going to come second. And if you're not willing to put those things second, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you really shouldn't be an entrepreneur. And finally, I can't stress this. Um, I can't stress this uh, enough. Uh, you must never give up. You, you must be one stubborn son of a bitch. You have to be a really stubborn bastard. And you must not give up. And when I say not give up, it could take you decades you know, what's that saying? You know, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. Oh, yeah. More entrepreneurs, uh, including myself, that is very true. You must not give up. You must not give up. You must not give up. Um, so if you're going to give up, don't do it. So, you know, I don't want to sort of focus on those negatives, but I just really do want to focus that you have to be, uh, excuse that noise, the jets flying overhead. <laughs> it, it's, um, you have to be heart, mind, and soul into this. Um, so, yeah. Are you next to the Air Force Base? Yeah, one of the 
one of the really nice things here, you know, uh, we're in North Las Vegas. I actually live on the Las Vegas Strip. And uh, driving, you know, drive 10 minutes and you're out in the middle of nowhere. And we're next door to Nellis Air Force Base. We, base and we have a lot of... <laughs> there you go. We have a lot of geeks here. We got they're, they're on their way to here. Area 51, you know, so... Yeah. So when I see those jets flying yeah. apart, it just, uh, I love it. You know, I wanted to... Par- I wanted to parlay. Hopefully, hopefully they don't drop anything on your production facility. A couple things here. One, um, you know, for those of you listening, you can't see what I see. I'm going to put, we're going to put some of these videos online because this is, uh, you can see the factory and unboxable behind uh, Apollo right now, which is neat. I've been watching people build, uh, build, build houses with that. Now I wanted to, I had a couple comments on the way out of my, of my own to parlay off what you said. So when I got married, I told my wife, I said, now I need you to know I'm kind of old at this point and I'm probably not going to change. And I'm an entrepreneur, which means you're always going to have to share. You're going to be married to me and the business. Are you willing, are you willing to accept that? And she was. And, and with that, you know, I think if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, a lot of that comes with getting people around you that accept that kind of reality, you know, and um, I try to do my best to not point out the second place or the, the spot in line. But, you know, you got you, like you said, if you want to be out doing things, you want to have a life, you want to have a hobby. Entrepreneurship does not occur from nine to five every day. In fact, the world will almost certainly find ways to make it not. Um, you know, I have 300 employees in the Philippines right now. I'm on a 13 hour time difference than them. So when shit goes wrong in my world, it's at like fucking two in the morning, man, or three in the morning or six in the morning, which is still early for me. So, you know, anyway, it's not for the faint of heart. And, but if you're willing to accept that, I think that, you know, I mean, here's the thing, man, I, you know, I dropped out of five colleges. I'm not like a high pedigree guy. I didn't go to Harvard. I, you know, any of that. And I figured it all out on Google and YouTube and I've done really well for myself, which means you can too. You can get past all that if you want to be a driven problem solver that doesn't quit. So Paulo, thank you so much for joining me. I love what you're doing at Boxable. I, I, I love guests and businesses that are solving world problems and you are, and that, you know, you talk about, like I, I mentioned, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the Boxable website. I want to encourage everybody to go there too. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm trying to buy acreage in the middle of Kansas where I'm at. I'm sitting here going, how the fuck am I going? I need a structure on this thing. Now, if I can just, unfold it man that feels a lot easier than everything else so i'm not, i'm gonna get to work rethinking what how i'm gonna build on my by the way and i and i'm getting this farmland so i can go somewhere and just be left alone because i need a little bit of that in my life too so well you're, you're talking to a sort of full-scale a constitutional loving uh freedom loving american here there you go. we we want Rewind just very quickly to one point yeah, sure. uh, that, that you made that I, that, I, that I really like. And it just it talks about the people around you. Yeah, you do have to find a good sort of partner in crime, uh, you know, that understands what you're doing and that you can be sort of mutually supportive and all that. But also, and I think this goes perhaps to some of your younger uh, entrepreneurs, is you really are who you hang out with. Oh, Yeah. And I didn't realize yeah. that for the longest time. It took me decades to realize that. You really are who you hang out with. So you, if you're complaining about this guy, you know, drinking until two in the morning or being a deadbeat or being lazy or not being responsible, yeah. 
that's you, that's you because you're hanging out with him. So get that, be very sensitive to that. Um, I've I've had a lot of lonely weekend nights over the last 15 years because of that, wanting to avoid the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. Get uh, get them out of your life. Even if they're your best friend, get them out of your life. You know, the, 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 the friend that you had in middle school, he didn't grow up with, with what your what you want to do with your life just get them out of your life and just focus on positivity and positive people and surround yourself with people that, that yeah. are positive i know that sounds like a truism but well i suppose dude it's real it's 100 percent real it is 100 so, you know yeah. look what's yeah. easier climbing the mountain on yourself or asking those on top to pull you up find the people that you want to be and become friends with them. And you'll find that entrepreneurs are very accepting of that because it's a lonely existence. I need to be around other people that are doing high performing things and the air is thin up there, man. So, you know, find a way to make it happen. And it really does make a difference. There's, it, it does sound cliche to say these things, but hey, these, these sayings exist for a reason and, and it's true. I hear the jet coming back, man. We might yeah, need to take right cover. Now. Unfold, yeah. unfold, unfold a unit, man. We need to, we need something to jump into. We're going to make a bulletproof unit. And um, just one yeah. other really good point you just made is on the support group side. You know, definitely join. Um... Okay, it's not in flavor and character. Definitely yeah. join uh, entrepreneurial support groups. Uh, that's something I never really did. Should have done. Join entrepreneurial support groups because when everybody says else thinks you're nuts, uh, those folks won't. Those folks won't. It's very, very positive. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yep. You can live, you can live it, eat it, and breathe it if you want it. Paulo, thank <laughs> you so much for joining me. I really am going to take cover. I hear the jets coming. I'm, I'm, that, that's making me wonder. Yeah. I'll catch up with you down the road. I'm going to go under the table myself. Matt, it's an absolute pleasure. And if you're in Las Vegas, where are you, by the way? We're in Kansas City, and we're, we're planning a trip. I will be in Vegas. I was thinking I might need to stop by there, yeah. North Las Vegas, take my cell number offline if you like, and um, yep. or you know through one of the guys, and yep. uh, we'll, we'll host you here. In fact, if you want, if you'd like to do a podcast here, we have a full audio setup, and you could just do an ad hoc one. Then you can write it off as a business expense. Well, yeah, I have a big client, the Urban Necessities, that uh, sells sneakers in the mall. There, huge operation. There. I don't know if you've been to their store, but that's that's where I'm going to take you and get you get you some new kicks. Let me sneak it out. And again, yeah. if you want to do a podcast here, you're very welcome to use our facilities. I like the invite. Great. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.